tracked down by Van Vliet. Fred behind the back in traffic. Oh, it's Fred's time. He's got 23. Come on. First pitch swinging, and he crushes it. Deep left center field, it's hit a mile. Guerrero with a home run, his third on the season, and the Blue Jays are within two. David plays it down the line, look out that ball stay and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1. Davies at Buchanan, Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. All right, everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. And it's this one's a primer. We have CFL free agency just around the corner. Starts February 8th at 12 p.m. Eastern. And the the it's been a crazy, you know, time of hearing this. It's Monday. It's been a crazy weekend. A lot of news has happened over the weekend. The uh, legal tampering period has been open for just over a week now. It's been crazy. Uh, we have everything here for you to so you're ready to go come Tuesday at 12. And don't forget, for all your CFL action, we will be up and running all Tuesday. No interruptions. We will be providing you all the content, everything you need to know as it happens. So you will want to stay tuned to our Twitter and our YouTube and probably Twitch and Facebook. Who knows? We'll see. But anyways, let's get right into it. It's been a busy day. We'll jump off the bat. Ottawa, biggest player in the game. We'll get it out of the way so people want to hear it. Everyone knows we talk about Ottawa a little bit too much, but for we're justified. We, we yeah, we have to like potentially the biggest turnaround in the CFL over the last like what five ten years will should be the Red Blacks this season. Maybe the Red Blacks in fifteen you could you could put up there right like but like talk about a team that has gone from the absolute pit of despair in fourteen they become fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen one of the better teams in the league. And then the last two years, they've been in the cellar. And then this year, with the way things are going right now, it looks like they could be back in Grey Cup contention. I know you put out a tweet uh, on our Twitter that said basically... Plus 1,800. Yeah. If, dead if, last. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for changed. good odds uh, to bet on Bodog, that's probably the one to take right now. We're not saying necessarily the Red Blacks are going to win the Grey Cup, but if you put five bucks on the Red Blacks right now, you, you, ha- you probably stand a better chance you do closer to the start of the regular season to win some decent money. Yeah, I mean, at 1800 like plus 1800 you throw a $100 bet, you're getting a nine, you're getting $1,900 back, give or take, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a betting man, and honestly, like I was tempted to throw just like a five buck on it on a future of like, oh, throw five bucks at 18, like plus 1800 for the Red Blocks to win the Grey Cup. Easy money, because like you look at who who they're who they're expected to bring in. Because obviously, just so everyone knows, or if they forget, any kind of agreed to contract does not become official until twelve o'clock on uh, Tuesday afternoon, which so, will be you, tomorrow by the time people are listening to this. Yeah, or already um, today if you happen to be listening on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, if you're leading up something to listen to before free agency. Um, but if you look at who Ottawa is bringing in or expected to bring in, you got Jeremiah Mazzoli bringing back William Powell, which 
I know some, I've seen a lot of Red Blocks fans are kind of 50 50 on this move. Uh, Jalen Acklin, uh, Levi Noel, Ukambre uh, Williams, Hunter Stewart, Darius Siako, Cueco Botang, and Lorenzo Maldin. Those are some pretty big names and some big names up front because we all know how bad the offensive line has been the last two, three seasons in Ottawa. The quarterback situation's handled. Acklin becomes the number one. This team could could put a threat, and there's still still reports that they're still shopping, that they're still looking to bring in pieces. Like they're not done. Yeah, it, we have to like you can't get too far ahead of yourself because I remember you know last year we were like, oh, Edmonton brought in a ton of players, and it looks like they're going to be pretty good. Uh, so you kind of have to hope that everything gels for them. But yeah, wh- like where do we want to start? Because there, there's so much to talk about them. Do we, do we want to start with the offensive line? I mean, I mean, things are, I think I think, think we'll, we'll start with the quarterback. I mean, sure. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is probably the biggest one. Sure. You know, uh, also, they're still plus 1800 on Bo Doug. They still have not moved. They probably won't move until all these signings are official. But yeah, so you have until Tuesday at 12 o'clock or probably one o'clock or so, probably till Wednesday, to be honest, to put in a bet for, eight, for an 1800 plus 1800. But anyways, let's let's start with Mazzoli because I think that one's one where a lot of Red Blocks fans, like William Powell, are kind of split on it. The thing I think that a lot of people are caught up in is the is the money, right? Jeremiah Mazzoli, they we we know that it's going to be about four hundred fifty thousand dollars this year, over five hundred thousand next year, and we'll start with saying four hundred fifty thousand dollars when you when you really boil it down here, they are not paying him any more than they were paying Matt Nichols and Dominique Davis last year. You know, you've 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 washed yourself of those two contracts. You save quite a bit of money there, and you go out and you get a guy who's a, a solidified starter in the league. He's the number one free agent on the board, and he's the only proven starting quarterback left. And I, I think we can't forget that outside of the start of the season, the first couple of games that he had, you know, he was he was putting up all star caliber numbers. And I see a lot of people that are also concerned about the five hundred thousand dollar figure next season and i'll tell you this if it doesn't work out this year he's not going to get that if if he's not up to the caliber of that the contract will be reworked i can virtually guarantee you that and if he does end up making that number i don't think people will care because it means that he was good enough to win the team a lot of games if not win them the gray cup yeah and i mean like my i I was torn because like and i think this is where the cfl not having the the cap the available cap in you know the available for the public and it's not public knowledge when you see 450k for a, a quarterback you and you don't know how much room your your team the team that you follow has you start questioning on if you're able to bring in talent to to help him to surround him with because you don't know how much room you have and i think that's what I've seen. A lot of people were like, okay, well, I want to see what they do. You know, offensive line still needed work, still needed some weapons. Like, and people are like, well, I don't know if they have the money for all this. We still yeah. don't know how much money they have left. Yeah. But I think the element too, that's been forgotten with the salary cap in particular is that teams all agreed to spend to the cap floor last season. So there's an extra million dollars kicking around for teams. that If they wanted to spend it, they could. And when Ottawa cuts guys like Nichols and Davis, right. They saved, probably somewhere in the range of $500,000 with those guys, you would assume. So Most likely. Between, like, I think Nichols was on something like a, a 350 to 400 kind of deal. 
and Dom Davis probably was in the range of about 200, I think is what we saw. So, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that they were able to go out and spend some money on a quarterback. They've also probably freed up a little bit of money from, from that was tied up in guys in the defense. Um, but like, I, I'm just, I'm not surprised that they paid Mazzoli what they paid him. I'm not upset about it either. I think it's a fair contract for what he's done in the CFL in the past. And to, like, honestly, the concern was, can you surround him with talent? And I think already they've proven that they can. So it's not a big deal at all. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me. Like I've said it, like, I mean, you know, I, I've been very vocal on Twitter about where I stand in how I think the creation of the Red Blacks needed to be. And it's like, I had no issue with developing, you know, Hodges or, and, or Evans, if you were able to surround them with talent. I didn't want Ottawa to go out and spend money on a quarterback if they wouldn't be able to surround the quarterback with, you know, talent and protection. They did that because I, I said it. There, there's a tweet. I haven't deleted it because I'm not going to. Is that it, there was a good chance that Mazzoli was being brought in to try to cover the lack of, you know, offensive talent that was going to be on this team. And I've been proven wrong so far if everything goes as expected, um, which I mean is great because I think this also kind of puts to bed the, oh, Oseg only wanted us to spend a certain amount of money. That's the fir- the first thing that I said. Well, Mazzoli was signed and, and Kwaku Botang was signed in that, that first day that there was the, the notion that Oseg was cheaping out and they were trying to save money and you know, I even saw some ludicrous things comparing the Red Blacks to the Renegades, right? Like it it was getting wild and two years of just putrid football, I think, does that to people. Uh, yeah, and, especially there, considering there, you you see who left in 2018. Yeah, and there was a sense of paranoia in this city because we've, we've seen, I mean, I haven't seen personally, but the city has seen two football teams just up and leap, right? I, I think there was a fear that this could happen again, even though, it's in the hands of a pretty stable ownership group and they've proven that, but some of the, 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 we can't say signings yet because they haven't signed, but the agreements that they've come to with so many of the the CFL's top free agents at this point, that has to put that notion to bed. And I think that there should be confidence in this city about this football team going into the season. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, and I think this is the thing that like kind of worried me, when we came to because like when a player tweets it out, like Maldine, uh, Powell, Acklin, and and Botang, they all tweeted out that they were coming to Ottawa. Yeah. So for a player to tweet it out, you kind of know that it's going to happen. So that kind of was like reassurance that okay, there's actually moves happening. Because yeah. it was until Friday, like Ottawa was you know linked to to Mazzoli, but outside of that, there wasn't much in terms of you know, chatter about who else they were linked to and who else they've been talking to outside of Dylan Wynn, who ended up signing a two-year deal in um, in Hamilton again. So th- this team is going to be interesting to watch. I mean, you you move to the running back position where you have William Powell, who's your expected starter, I think. I, I would expect that he's coming here to start. Yeah, especially uh, like your backup at this point, I think is probably going to be DeLance Turner going into the season. Which, or Landers. Uh, possibly Glanders too. Well, he will be there for sure, but I think that they've shown commitment to people other than Brennan Glanders in the past. And I think that's probably going to continue to happen. 
but also Delance Turner showed you a lot of promise last season. So, you know, I think the Landers should be moved into like a slot position because he yeah, has great yeah. hands. Yeah. Well, you remember too, he came into the league as a fullback. So there's a chance that maybe he goes back there, but he also does a lot of special teams work. And I think that's where the red blacks like to keep him. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, you're very important on special teams. It's kind of hard to justify putting you into a, a, but I think if he given a chance to be a a consistent player, it would work. Yeah, possibly. Um, But yeah, like the, the William Powell front, you mentioned that some people are kind of split on this one and I've seen more of the positive stuff because I know Powell was, a massive fan favorite while he was here, right? But just people are, are are making a comment about how he's getting older and, you know, there's a little bit of concern there, but he hasn't shown the decline yet. And I think if at absolute worst you get league average numbers from him, you know, he rushes for 800 yards and, and scores a couple touchdowns, but that's still better than what the Red Blacks have had in the last couple of years. Like John Crockett was okay. Moses Madu was okay. It's really got hurt. Yeah, Timothy Flanders this season had a couple of really good games, but other than that, he was virtually silent. And I think it's hard again. It's hard to judge these running backs, especially in 2019 and 2021. Yeah, when the O line was atrocious. Yeah, but pound for pound, I think you're getting a better running back with with William Powell than you're getting with anybody they've had in the last couple of years. Agreed. And I'm curious on if they'll bring in they'll look at bringing in a guy like Sean Thomas Erlington who isn't signed yet with Hamilton and with the signing of John Jackson is probably out the door. Cause they also have Bennett, uh, Ottawa GG product in Hamilton that that's ready to go, I believe. So Ottawa could be looking at bringing him. I mean, there's still Andrew Harris and imagine a William Powell, Andrew Harris, you know, duo in Ottawa. That would be terrifying for defenses. I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, the Andrew Harris to Saskatchewan thing. That, that's more likely to happen. Let's be honest. like, I could see that happening, but imagine if like in the last minute, cause again, we don't know what's going on with a lot of these guys. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, a lot of radio silence, but moving, st- sticking with Ottawa before we move on to other teams, before we head out, you know, the three big expected signings for Ottawa, Ukambre Williams, which I've been on that train for the last like month and a half. Uh, Hunter Stewart, which kind of came out of nowhere. I'm not even going to lie. Like, that wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even realize that, like, he was a possibility because I thought he was going to, you know, stay out west. Um, Because, and then Darius uh, Caraco? Caraco, I guess. Caraco. If we we mispronounce it, let us know. We will will pronounce it properly next time. Um, You know, those Those are are according to Tim Baines, by the way. If you yeah, don't follow I mean, Tim Baines already, do it. Uh, the guy is he's a gem. the best writer in the CFL, and I'm putting that out there right now. Oh, that's a shot at Dave, uh, Dave Taylor and Farhan. Uh, no, I just love Tim. <laughs> it's the T-Law, uh, maybe. T- Tim is great. Um, but though those three, I mean, uh, like you have Jacob Ruby already in the fold. Yeah. yeah. This you, team. You have four-fifths of an offensive line, and, and you still have the chance to, if you really want to make – another impact player you want to sign another impact player you still have that option you know you could in theory get a guy like a Riker Matthews and and put him somewhere on that offensive line maybe you could also just bring back Tyler Catalina and and do that or you know like there's there's still options for them but they have four-fifths of their offensive line set and they really don't have to break the bank on that fifth guy if they don't want to which I don't think they will 
I think if one of the the three guys they're bringing in uh, can play, which I think uh, Stewart can, he's been in the league a while. I keep forgetting how long he's been in the league. Been in the league since uh, 2014. And he was a first round pick in 13? Six overall. In 13? Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm not actually sure. I'm going to see what I can find because he fin- he played last year with BC. Well, the other the other interesting thing too is Jacob Ruby had said in his presser earlier this year that he is capable of playing anywhere that the Red Blacks want to put him. And he made it very clear that if they need somebody to play left tackle, he'll play left tackle. If they need a center, he'll play center. If they need a right guard, he'll play right guard. One thing I've learned as someone who's like that, who I can play all, all five positions if I absolutely have to. Um, they usually it's can't. Not, <laughs> it, it's not – they're they're usually like – they can. Don't get me wrong. They can. It doesn't usually go overly well. Um, well of, of course. He's going to have the one position where he's – Yeah, he'll have strongest. the one or – Yeah, he'll have his one or two positions that he's stronger in, like, uh, you know, like center guard. But I think it's unrealistic to expect this, someone who's played a certain position or certain like two specific positions over a long period of time to just magically be able to play a, a tackle position. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to ask him to, uh, but you know, if, if they do need somebody to play center and, and it, they end up picking Ruby, he can do it. Yeah. And I mean, like here, and I'm curious because like, uh, Stewart played left guard. He he's a guy that you know. You have your interior of your line set. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that we know the interior of the line is most likely going to be Stewart, Ruby, and uh, Siraco in some form. You can put Ruby at right guard, Stewart at left guard, and then you fill that right right tackle hole some way. You know, you still yeah. have Zot, you have Bergdorf that or Bergloff that you signed out of Saskatchewan. So you have pieces there. And yeah, as, it, as as we said, there's still the Tyler Catalina option, which would yeah. fill their two American tackle options that and Catalina wasn't bad. At. No, yeah, and that's that's the thing, is like he spent a lot of time hurt and he really he didn't have a preseason. And as a guy who had never played in the Canadian game before, that's kind of important. So like he was good for what he was worth, I guess, in a sense, because he didn't have the ability to, to get up to speed. And I think another season where he doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to be elite to succeed with so many helping hands around him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I think that right tackle spot's going to be open for, for debate on who's going to be there for, for Ottawa. But moving on from Ottawa, because... That I'm sure the conversation talk. will come back. Probably. Uh, I think, honestly, the big one is going to be Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to stick out east, uh, Toronto-Montreal haven't really done much in terms of, you know, who they've who they've lost, who they've been talking to. But overall, like, Hamilton, you lose Mazzoli, you lose Acklins. There's reports that you're losing Ja'Garrett Davis to Toronto. You know, yes, you were signed win, you signed Simone... You you lost Banks. They've also agreed to a deal with Micah Johnson, which I guess is yeah. is good. What? But here's the thing: is that who's Micah replacing? 
is Micah coming into because like Tons of Roy is still Jacare a bit, Davis. but he's not a he's not an end. He's a he's an interior guy. That's basically the the trade off they're making though. But that means they also have to think Ted Laron's leaving. Because there's no way you there's no way you bring in Micah Johnson to replace Jagarrett Davis when Sean Lemon's available. I'll so take Lemon. That still could happen though. The the Sean Lemon's thing still could happen. But like the Micah Johnson is for I guarantee I would be shocked at this point. If you're a Hamilton fan, I feel for you somewhat, but I, I would definitely expect Teleron to be a not like would not be in Hamilton. Either he retires, because that's obviously a possibility, or he signs with another team. But I think the Micah Johnson, including with the Dylan Wynn extension, and there's been no talk about what's going on with Ted Laurent. He as a as a ratio breaker, well, I would not be surprised if he hits an open market and they bring in someone to fill where Davis Jagarra Davis left. Yeah, it's I don't their situation's a little bit weird because I think that there was a lot of Tiger Cats fans who thought that they were gonna be able to keep this Grey Cup contending team together. And you know, they were just gonna be able to kind of I think I think a lot of them thought they were gonna be able to waltz their way back there. But you know, the we said it after that Grey Cup that that was Hamilton's shot because they almost have to reboot it after what happened and that like there's no like that team was getting older they had to reboot it because they're going to want to be back there in 23 when they host again and you know they're going to lose a lot of good players now their key is going to be bringing in guys later but i i don't know that it there is a mass exodus of players going from hamilton to ottawa and i don't think it's necessarily because there's something going on internally or anything like that. I don't think there should be something to panic about. But I think that all of a sudden they have there, there's flashbacks in that market to 2015 to 2018 where they kept running up against the Red Blacks and just couldn't ever get the job done. Yeah, that's true. But like even looking at who they so Marshall Ferguson posted a, like a spreadsheet of like players they've resigned quite a bit of players. They have, and it, it, it hasn't been. And they brought in Lamar Grant. Though, it's, it's been a lot of, of more depth I mean, guys, younger guys. I mean, Adelike, Revenberg, Lawrence, Jackson, Evans, Santos Knox, yep. Gabriel Brooks, Dylan Wynn, Jesse Gibbons, Kay Okafor, you know, Dunbar. They brought in Lamar Durant. Like, they they should be a competitive team. Yeah, but I don't, think, to I don't lose, think they're going to be uncompetitive. Like, I, I don't think there's a team in the league right now that I look at and go – that's going to be a non-competitive football team. My thing, though, is that it will their defense, if they lose Ja'Gara Davis and Ted Laurent, let, could a Micah Johnson and Sean, like, is that uh, enough of a small enough or a small enough downgrade? Because it's not an upgrade. And no. with how Micah has played the last couple of years, it's really hard to even say that you're on par with what you had. Yeah. Is the defense going to be good enough to win, like to help win them games, or is this going to be a Kansas City Chiefs situation where their defense is bad, but their offense is good enough to to overshadow how bad their defense is? Well, that's the thing with their offense as well. It it's not necessarily getting better so far. I mean, you lose Jalen Acklin and and Brandon Banks. You know, you're you're you've lost a fair amount think, there. But I think okay, you replace Jalen Acklin with Lamar Durant. 
Yep. Brandon Banks spent mo- like has spent a lot of time injured. Yep. So hey, if you're Hamilton, you can make the argument, okay, well, you didn't really lose much in Banks that you didn't have last season because he barely played last season. The, the you're, one thing you're that getting Banks a does, large Banks does bring a sense of of a threat to the other team, though, right? Like when he's out on the field, they have to commit somebody to him. Like they have to be very careful of where he is. Because there's a chance that any time that he steps on the field, he could break one for a touchdown. So he kind of has the ability to open up the field for other players, for other receivers to make plays. Maybe it's a check down that, you know, the the defensive back is nowhere to be seen. But just because he didn't have massive numbers, and he said it himself, you know, he plays, he's playing a team game last year. Uh, So to not have him back, I think is is a loss, even if it maybe isn't as big as it would have been in like 2018. I still don't see it being a loss with the, the way Dunbar came onto the scene because you just replaced Banks with Dunbar. You know, Dunbar yeah, can play if, that if he same can, position. If he can continue to play at the high level and he can he can continue to be, you know, that top receiver. But who knows? Like, I'm not saying that he can't do it without Banks and Ackland beside him, but now he has to be the guy. And we, well, no, we I saw mean, you still have You still have it in in uh, Brandon Addison. You do. He, yes. He's going to be... Yeah. Like Brandon Addison's the the guy in Hamilton. He was the guy in Hamilton the last like two years. He is the guy. You add in, you know, Stephen Dunbar. You now add in Lamar Durant. You know, added Don Jackson in the backfield. Like, you look at who's available. Like who this team has losing Banks and then replacing Acklin with Durant. The, the the receivers shouldn't be a position of weakness when healthy. Yeah, you can argue, you can argue that their depth could be can, will be tested if one of these two go down, but I think their starters are just as good as they were last year. Yeah, I, I think honestly, people are going to crucify me when I say this, but one of my biggest questions about this team going into the season is the quarterback situation, because th- when they went into the into the season this year or the last season, I guess whether it was Mazzoli or Evans, they had a backup plan, like they had a contingency for failure if. You know, if if Mazzoli went in and didn't do well, well, you have Dane Evans, and Dane Evans has proven that he can be a starter in this league. Vice versa, if you went to Dane Evans and turned out that he couldn't get the job done, you had Jeremiah Mazzoli to go change the pace. They won't have that this year. So Dane Evans is ride or die. Like, he has to be the guy for that team now, and he can't have the the moments like he did in the Grey Cup where, like, let's be real, before before he got injured, and it's unfortunate that he did, but that wasn't a competitive football game. He was getting eaten alive. Jeremiah Mazzoli came in and, and turned the game around for them. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, I think that's also discrediting Schultz. You know, I think Schultz, yeah, but he's Schultz, in his start. Like, he didn't lose his starting job because he was bad. He lost his starting job because he got hurt in Montreal. Like, I think, what, I think Trevor Harris? No, to Vernon Adams. He started oh, we're talking that about season. way back then. Antonio Pipkin started that season. Was it Pipkin? It was Pipkin. Because I know Schultz lost, like, had the the starting job in either when when Manziel took it, Schultz <laughs> was the starter. So Schultz, because that Schultz was the starter, he got hurt. Then Manziel came in, got hurt, and then they went to Vernon Adams or Pipkin, one of the two. It may have been yeah, Pipkin like, they went to then. Like Schultz, Schultz was a starter. He just got hurt. Yeah, I, I like Matthew lost, Schultz. Like I, so I think Schultz fits what Hamilton wants to run perfectly. Yeah. I think he's a great backup in Hamilton. I, th- I think he's a great backup as well. The difference is 
last year they had two starting quarterbacks and they had two really good starting quarterbacks. Like I think, I, I think I had Mazzoli at number five or six on my quarterback ranking list. He was, he was still pretty high up there. So like now, if you go to Matthew Schultz, all of a sudden you have a guy who maybe could be a starter, but isn't quite at that level. So see, I, I have a feeling that if, if they didn't name, you know, Rourke, um, the starter, or if Winnipeg didn't already have Arbuckle under contract, Edmonton, or Edmonton didn't have Arbuckle under contract, like Schultz could have gone there and won a starting job. He could have, yeah. That we're gonna have to talk about that Edmonton stuff too, because I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, I mean Hamilton is a team that like is something to watch. Yeah. Um, you know Toronto, you know they traded Cameron Judds. Uh, pending UFA for, you know, DB uh, Royce Minchie, who is older brother of uh, Minchie the third out in out the receiver in Alabama, who I think is expected to to go to the NFL draft this year. Yeah. Um, so, and he, they both signed judge signed in Calgary, Minchie signed in, in Toronto, but this team outside of Ernest Edwards, they haven't done much. They're, they're linked to Jagarit Davis, but there's no, there's no confirmation that he's going to Toronto. Yeah. The uh, the other one too, I think they just like it just came down that uh Jawan Breskison is gonna be gonna is gonna be back there. But that's a re-sign. I don't like yeah. that's not a like you know, they, they're bringing back, you know, Henok Muamba, which is great. Uh Matthew Botang, Bladick Richards. McLeod Bethel Thompson was re-signed. <sighs> I'm curious on if that happened after they talked to Mazzoli and Mazzoli said he didn't want to come. It could have, but I also feel like it happened relatively close after Zach Kalaros went down. Did it not? Am no, I, it, am I... it, it happened after the free agency period opened up, like the the, right. uh, the yeah. negotiation window. So, like, could it have been that Bethel kind of talked to their teams and realized that, like, the money probably wasn't, going to be much more than what Toronto was offering and the, you know, Toronto was giving him like, was the best chance for him to start, you know, could it have been that, you know, they were after Mazzoli and Mazzoli said, nah, I don't want to go to Toronto. So they're like, okay, we'll sign Bethel Thompson. Like, I don't think Toronto's a competitive team with Beth- Bethel Thompson as their starter. Well, I think, I think they're competitive. I think they showed this year that they're competitive. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be able to, go toe-to-toe with somebody in an offensive shootout, per se, which we might see that a little bit there more than we did last year. There's there's fewer – like, we'll say this right away. Ottawa's not going to be as bad as they were last year. Edmonton's not going to be as bad as they were last year. So is somebody going to go down and assume that role? I don't necessarily think so. I think this is going to actually be a very balanced season. But, you know, I, I think Toronto's okay, but – like, I just, I don't know. Like, Montreal is still a decent football team. Hamilton is still a decent football team. Ottawa is a much better football team than they were last year. I don't know where Toronto is going to fit into that, especially if they kind of keep quiet. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Um, we have over... to mention, too, Jake, Jake Wenicke's back in Montreal. Yeah. Like... They've, they've been exceptionally quiet, but, like, they've still got Mario Alford – Eugene they, they've re-signed some some big guys. Yeah. Like they, Nick re, Usher, they've re-signed, Jake you know, they got Vernon restructured Vernon Adams. They've re-signed, you know, 
uh, Lewis, and they they signed Dominic Davis, which, not going to lie, I think it's a great move for Montreal. They can run similar offenses. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not a starter. He's not like your every week starter, but he can give you a good, you know, three, four game relief effort. Yeah, they play the the same style. Yeah, exactly. The thing with Davis is he's very – I don't know if his decision – like we know that his decision-making isn't great. But the thing with Montreal's offense is it doesn't have to be. We see it constantly with Vernon Adams. They just run somebody on a deep post and throw it to him and hope he catches it. And if not, it's a punt. That's basically Montreal's offense. And I think Davis has a good enough arm to do that. He has the legs to move the pocket around a little bit. And I think it just makes more sense than like as good as we think Matthew Schultz is, their entire offense has to change whenever he goes in. And I think that Davis allows them to kind of continue what they're doing. And I think that they've built their team around that style of play. Yeah, it just, it just makes sense. But they're, it's going to be interesting to see what they do offensively. They have some pretty big names. You know, Patrick Levels is probably one of the biggest names that they have potentially leaving. Um, Money Hunter is a big one. So Montreal, like they've lost a couple of guys. They lost two linemen to Edmonton. Uh, I mean, they traded one of them to Edmonton and Tony Washington. Um, but, you know, moving on, like the East, the biggest player right now is Ottawa and it's going to be Ottawa. till we're told until otherwise mentioned or otherwise seen. Um, but I will say that, you know, out West, the Prairies and Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, they're, they're bringing back a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, like they're, they're bringing <laughs> back quite a bit, uh, you know, James Tuck and Natay Rogers were signed by uh, Saskatchewan. So Winnipeg's the only team not to have apparently signed somebody or reportedly signed somebody. They they have, but it's been college free agents. Yeah, but that doesn't count. From another team, from people who played in the CFL last year. Yes, okay. Um, you know, but they've brought back a lot of players, like a lot. Yeah. So they're going to be competitive. Well, Winnipeg is still going to be really good. My my question is, what happens if they catch the injury bug or something? You know, that like that team, they have brought back a lot of their stars. But when you do that, typically it costs you at the other end of the lineup. And, you know, with the money that they've committed to some of their big players, some of the depth options might choose to play in the Montreal's, the Toronto's, the Hamilton's, where – there's probably still a fair amount of money left and they can probably get a little bit more. And, and, and when you are making, you know, towards the, the lower tier of the, of, of the league, right. Those extra couple thousands mean more than they do when you're making 120 versus 125. The 60, what's the league minimum right now? 68? 65. 65. Is it 65? I, like, yeah, I think it's 65. If, if we're talking about 65 to 70, the difference is is quite quite large just because that extra yeah, I mean, like, but it's I mean, just larger. You also have that playoff money. That yeah. playoff money speaks volumes, right? If you have a chance, you know, 65 and you have a chance to go all the way to the Grey Cup, that playoff money speaks differently. Um, it, it can. It can. I think – I mean, if I was in the position of a player and I'm like, I'm going to probably play a lot of special teams this year, I don't think that I'm going to get on the field much as, as a regular – I'm probably going to take the guaranteed money rather than the 
you know, okay, well, we can go win the Grey Cup and you can get bonus money. I'm going to take the here and now. Give it to me now. That's fair. And again, I think like that's the thing that Winnipeg has kind of built, you know, the culture they've built the last two seasons. It allows that movability. Yep. But, you know, Saskatchewan, like on the other side of that, Banjo Bowl. They spent on Duke Williams. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the fact that apparently he t- – I'm curious on who – Offered up to three hundred thousand. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you one guess. Who gave him three hundred thousand? Oh, it's it, I, I guarantee you, it's, it's Chris most, Jones, hundred percent. But I'm not. I, I can't say that with for certain, right? Like it, I can believe it, but like I might think that oh, you know, it's probably Chris Jones. But who knows? It might not have been. It might it, have been Rick. It, it may not have been. But if I had to guess, I would guess Chris Jones. Yeah, but I want to know who actually did it. I want to know which GM thought paying a, a receiver three hundred thousand dollars was a smart idea. Like, yeah, I like it, it's I, a lot. Like, I, yeah, but they brought back quite a big amount of players that you know are impact players. Nick Marshall, AC Leonard, Logan Ferlin. The fact that Keenan LaFrance is staying in in Saskatchewan was surprising. They brought back Larry Dean, so you know, Law uh, Lothar is going to be there. Shaq Evans. Kyron Moore, like this team's gonna be yeah. good. Yeah, they like they did lose a couple, they're going to lose a couple of guys. They've already lost Luchas Purifoy to BC. BC, yeah. Is what sounds like is going to happen. Um yeah, like I still think the Andrew Harris thing is gonna happen, as we mentioned before. They lost that um, Ganey, which was surprising yeah. to, to Edmonton. Yeah, uh it just feels like they kind of are looking to retool a little bit from what they did last season, in a sense. I think their offense is still mostly the same. I think the receivers' room is pretty good. The The one question mark is at $260,000, Duke Williams has to do a lot to be worth that, right? Like, he has to that's have like a – like, he has to have nearly 200 or two 2,000 yards next year. But that's MOP standard. Like, that's MOP yeah. kind of money. Yeah. Also, you wanted Riker Matthews. Right? Is that who you want? Like, yeah. Yeah, he signed with uh he's already signed with BC. Did he? Yeah, apparently. That happen? I don't know. He's on this list. He's on this Marshall Ferguson list that he posted. Let me check. Let's see if I ever had that. Um sorry to interrupt, I just noticed it. But yeah, no, like he's gonna have to have a, like an MOP season to to be worth that kind of money. Yeah. Like it 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 does speak volumes about how just how important he was to that team last year. And I think we all know the issues that the riders and Cody Fajardo had with the deep ball last year, even I think it culminated in Cody Fajardo, basically throwing his teammates under the bus. I think it is how the story went with him saying, I think so. Whenever I throw the ball deep, just nobody's making plays. And he finally, he finally had that guy and they came damn close to going to the great cup last year. So I don't think it's necessarily tear down time. It's definitely double down time for them. And, you know, if they can fix the offensive line, maybe get a little bit more production out of their defense, I think they're going to be good to go. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. Uh, Calgary has signed quite a bit of players. or They've signed four during this period. Uh, D-line slash long snapper out of Hamilton, uh, Schutzler. Schutzler. Uh, Kaden Johnson running back, and then Cameron Judge and Derek Dennis. They've, they've brought back a lot of pieces. Jameer Thurman, Kadeem Carey, 
Brandon Dozer, uh, Jake Meyer, Reggie Bagleton, Trey Robeson. They just signed somebody too. Uh, I think they uh, Moxies. They they just resigned. Um, so yeah, Jonathan Moxie is four hours ago extended. And they also signed uh, Nick Hawley, American receiver Nick Hawley. So it's going to be interesting. This this team had a down year last year. I think we can all agree on that. So for him, for Scott or Calgary to have as much, you know, potential in terms of who they might have, and you know, hopefully a healthy Bo Levi, this team could compete for a great cup. Yeah, I am. Just looking through here, I don't know where Marshall Ferguson has gotten Riker Matthews being signed uh, because I can't find that anywhere. I've Our list doesn't have him, for one, so clearly I haven't seen anything before now. I checked the CFL tracker. He's not listed as signed. And quick Google search of news with his name does not have anything turning up. And as of yesterday, Santino Felosio who writes for Three Down Nation, uh, wrote an article about 10 players that the Red Blacks should target that are pending free agents. Riker Matthews was on that list. So as of yesterday, Riker Matthews was a free agent. So that could still happen. Um, I don't know where Marshall's gotten that one. We'll have to ask him about that one. But um, on the Calgary front, that team should be good. I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, You know, Last year, Winnipeg kind of waltzed their way to the Grey Cup before winning it. And I think that also some of their, like, kind of like we discussed with the Tiger Cats fans, I think some of them are expecting that it's going to be easy for them again, just based on some of the players they brought back uh, and how most of the roster is the same, particularly the offensive and defensive lines. I think Saskatchewan's going to be a little bit better. I think Calgary could be a lot better. I think Edmonton. Is still going to be pretty good. Um, and I think BC, people are, are calling BC the worst team in the league already. And I don't understand that. I think there's been a lot of underrating what Nathan Rourke offensive line is not going to be good. Yes, that's like, the danger. Like their, offensive, their offensive line has good pieces, but as a, as a unit, can that unit work? And it would really, really hurt them if they lost Riker Matthews. So for their sake. Like, like they have good pieces on that line. They lost some pieces last year that hurt their line. Can their offensive line be good enough to because my my issue with BC and we'll we'll get to Edmonton after. My issue with BC is that you spent all this money on receivers, but will will Rourke have the ability to to stand in the pocket and del- have time to deliver a ball to these receivers? Yeah, who knows? I think BC is going to be a college run offense. A lot of RPOs, a lot of quick hitters to get guys open in space. They have, they have the guys to do. Is really good at too. The RPO stuff is perfect for him. But I, I don't expect people like people who I've seen people be like, oh, I want to. He's not Mike. He's not Michael Riley. He's yeah, not going to play like Michael Riley. He's not going to sit in the pocket for ten seconds, holding onto the ball longer than he should, but somehow still not get sacked and throw a touchdown. He's not going to do that. Um, he's either going to run for it. Or he's going to shut it, like chuck it down, get it to his running back, or they're going to have him doing quick hitters. Like, I, and I hope Rick Campbell understands that this year is very much a prove it year for him as a coach, because you've you've come out and said that oh, you know Nathan works our starter, which don't really know if that's a good idea. 
in terms of who, if you wanted to recruit someone as a backup, as well as you're putting a lot of pressure, like, okay, well, he's our starter. We're going to ride with him for, for the year. Like, what are we going to do if he struggles? Like, what if he comes to camp and he, he underperforms at camp? Like, Campbell needs to make the playoffs this year. Like, he, yeah. he absolutely has to. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be tough, too, because I don't necessarily think that the East crossover, at least right now, is going to be the obvious way into the playoffs like it used to be. You know, there's there's four teams right now in the East that look pretty solid on paper. So all you know? four teams? Yeah, but, I mean, before, obviously, you'd look at it and you go, well, Ottawa's garbage, or... Montreal at the bottom, when they had like Nick Crompton starting at quarterback, that team was garbage. You knew that that, that was going to be a free spot in the crossover, especially when Toronto was down there too. They were bad too. There were two bad teams in the East. So, you know, like that's not going to be an easy way into the playoffs this year, or at least it shouldn't be. And you got Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan, who are pretty much uh, like, are, I don't want to call them a lock for the playoffs because you never know what's going to happen. But those three teams should be in the playoffs. And then right now, Edmonton is possibly a better team than you. The one advantage BC has over Edmonton right now is their quarterback. But if you can't protect him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I just I look at BC and I'm like, oh, this team has the weapons, but they don't have the protection to get the ball to the weapons. Oh no, I feel like Campbell is in a make it or break it year where it's like you have to make the playoffs. You have to be at least the fourth best team because that team unraveled near the end. Like they, they, they had their own faith in their hand. They, however, they finished up the season would have played in their favor. Like they had everything going their way to make the playoffs, and then the last like six weeks of the season, they just squashed it. They just played like yeah. garbage. They had injuries. I got it, but I'm sorry. Next man up mentality, and I think. People finally started to see the Campbell that was in Ottawa wasn't he? He got away with how bad the East was. Yeah, I think the thing with BC is you have to remember they were four and two at one point. And what did they finish the year at? What, what was the record? I think did they seven, finished with four wins. No, they were like six and uh, I think they were six and eight. They were. Uh, they were five and nine. Yeah, so you were four and two. And basically had positioned yourself in a really good spot to pick up, if not second in the West, third, especially like what did Calgary start at? Like they were, they were all in like, they were one in five at one point. Yeah. Like they were so, they were miles off from you guys. And yeah, you he, had he like a, they had like a healthy lead. Like it, it very much looked like you were going to have, uh, like it was going to be Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, BC, Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, and then that was it. Like you had your three playoff teams. Like that—that's what it, you had your six playoff teams. Yeah, Ottawa, they, Calgary. They it yeah, it was like week seven, and we were talking about if Calgary loses this, you know. So yeah, they they lost. I'm so they didn't lose to the Elks, did they? They did once. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. Okay. So, yeah, they started off by, no, by BC, the end. BC yeah. didn't because Edmonton lost to the Red Blacks twice and they lost. Or they, yeah, uh, they had three wins. 
Oh, sorry. No, maybe they did beat BC. Yeah, they beat my BC. Brain, my brain is turned off. According, according to Google, they beat BC 21 to 16. Um, so, season? Oh, yeah. That was, remember, Edmonton started, however, they started like really poorly. And then they went into BC. I think they, they, they played well enough. They won the game, and everybody thought Edmonton was back. Yeah, yeah, it was like Her- Trevor Harris looked like phenomenal. That wasn't that game. That was the Calgary game, was it? I think. Oh, maybe. So yeah, he threw so, like five hundred yards. Yeah, by the end of September, they were f- four and three. They lost twice to Saskatchewan and once to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. They had wins over Calgary, two over Ottawa, um, and then one over Montreal. So they were four and three heading into to October. Then they would go on to lose one. Two, three, four, five, six in a row, and then won their final game of the season against Edmonton, who was on the third game of a three in a week. Yeah. Or three in ten days. So yeah. and they and they lost bad in some of the they they they, they lost 30 to 9, 39 to 10, and then 45 nothing three straight weeks. They lost in overtime by two and then lost. 26 to 18 and then 33 to 23 like yeah they just they they pissed away the the season they had and like week the one start of the too. season week one they came out and they went down by like 35 points in the first half of the game and then still nearly came back and won like that bc team last year makes me it, it frustrates me in a, in a sense because they wasted michael riley's last year where he still played pretty damn well. Like yeah. I think, I think it got overshadowed by how bad that team ended up being. But he was he played good football last year. And if if you remember the game in Saskatchewan, he had that throw that was basically going sideways, yeah. and he completed it. Like that team was battling for him. And it, it's honestly, it's so sad to see him go out like, like that. I, he, I called he did it. Battle so hard for it. I, I called it when they were like after like when they were heading into Saskatchewan when I was like so week seven or game seven they were going to they had Saskatchewan Winnipeg Calgary Winnipeg like four weeks in a row basically or four games in a row four and five weeks and I, I said like if they, they they need to win this they need to, to at least get two wins out of the four if they want to survive in the playoffs and one of them has to be against Calgary. And they shot the bed and all four of them yeah. outside of the Rough Riders one. That was like a, a one score game, but we Edmonton it's, it's time to talk about the Elks. Um, where do we start? I'll start do with you, the quarterback, which one they're both absolute trash. Well, so while this is, we got to remember they're in the playing the in, in play for Jeremiah Mazzoli and the f- it, it's such a weird situation to me where you have both Nick Arbuckle, you have Taylor Cornelius, who I think outside of he, – he had a stretch in the middle of the season where he was playing some decent football. I think he started to kind of take the next steps to becoming a, a CFL quarterback, and then the three games in a week thing happened, and it all fell apart, and it's hard to blame him for that. But – you know, Nick Arbuckle didn't show us much in Toronto last year. And I've had people say that, you know, I ranked him too low or whatever, but he's played 
what, seven or eight games as a starter at this point. Like he's, he hasn't started very long and he was really uninspiring this year on a team that he was supposed to be really good with, you know, and then you go out and you bring in JT Barrett. They brought in a, a couple of, they brought in a couple of athletic quarterbacks at this point. So I'm excited I for Barrett. Satisfied. I'm excited for Barrett. I I'm really excited to see what he can do on a CFL field. I really think he has the talent to, to succeed in the CFL. And I know the overall goal is to head back to the NFL, but the same thing that I said about Shane, uh, Shane Ray, when he was in Toronto last year, if Barrett, uh, you know, accepts the situation and accepts that he may not be an NFL quarterback and accepts that like he could have a very good career in the CFL he will be a very good quarterback in the CFL. Yeah, I think like we saw, it's, it's not really the same situation. Bowie by Mitchell basically told uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I think it was, that he wasn't signing a contract to be a practice squad or a third string quarterback. If he was coming to the NFL, it was second string or he's not coming. Yeah, he wanted an actual chance to start, which I, <laughs> I don't blame him. Like... I, I would want to be in that same situation. Like if, if I'm leaving a guaranteed situation where I can go down as probably one of the best in the game versus I'm sorry, there, there is no way you can convince me that Kirk cousins is better than Bo Levi Mitchell, especially not after what this was what I think before the, the 19 season, right. Where quarterbacks in the CFL, they were making solid, like Michael Riley had just signed the $800,000 contract Bo, uh, Bo had an offer on the table from the Argos that was worth like six. more than that, six something. Like it, yeah, it was, was a stupidly large contract that he got by CFL standards. And like that Bo Levi Mitchell was literally one of the most just like it, it almost felt like he had like laser eyes. Like he was just unstoppable. And he could have started the NFL right then and there. I'm, I'm willing to guarantee that he absolutely no was better than Kirk Better than Kirk Cousins, Blake Bortles, for fuck's sake. Garner <laughs> missed you. Like, the fact that Bo Dude, Levi... don't insult the stash. What are you doing? There's a reason why he's on, in what, Philly? The back Dude, of Philly? Dude, he has a glorious mustache and he wears, like, red That's fine. Jeans. That's awesome. That's fine. I have no issue with the That's guy, sick. but you're going to sit here and tell me that Bo Levi Mitchell is not better than some of these starters He in doesn't the have a cool mustache, so that's automatically one point in the negative for Bo. <laughs> like... I look at who starts, and so like, like I, I you look at Henry Burst, you look at Ricky Ray, you look at Anthony Calvillo, and then you look at who was starting during those eras, and you're like, like you can't tell me that Ricky Ray wasn't good enough to play for the New York Jets. You can't tell me you can't that tell me that Nathan Henry Peterman Burst? was starting games in Buffalo while Ricky Ray was playing. Well, Bo Levi Mitchell was playing. Michael Riley. The fact that Henry Burris wasn't good enough to somehow crack the Bears, like, quarterback room, like he wasn't good enough to be the Bears quarterback, is messed up. Because there's no way you can tell me that a two, like, mid-2000s Henry Burris wasn't better than a fucking Jay Cutler. You can't tell me 2016 Henry Burris wasn't better than a lot of the guys in the NFL. Like, the dude it, literally won a great cup with torn cartilage in his knee. And like, I think he was still going to play better football than a guy like Matt Moore. Yeah. Like the idea 
that the NFL quarterbacks are these world-class athletes are a fucking joke. The CFL, like, I I can't even describe how I feel when I hear, oh, they're if they're so bad, why are they in the CFL? I'm like, you look at the kind of bullshit that you guys start week to week. Like, there's no way. There, there's no way. How many way games that- did, did Huntley start for the Cardinals, or not the Cardinals, the Ravens this, this season? Three, I think. Like he, well, I think it was more than that. Oh no, but I wasn't paying much attention. Anyway, he, he started a fair few games. Like, I don't want to like, hear Cam Newton's name. Any, like Cam Newton used to be really, really good. He was awesome. And then last year with the Patriots, and this year with the with the the Panthers, like, no, he needs offense. to hang him up. Yeah, like like Ben Roethlisberger this year had an elbow made out of spaghetti, which. Urinating Tree talked about it in our last episode, just saying. I asked him particularly about the Steelers for you. I don't know if you went back and listened to that. I did not. Okay, well, you should, because he had some interesting things to say about the Steelers. The Steelers shouldn't – Ben should have retired last year. I, yeah, he did say that too. I, that, that's NFL I, shit. We don't want to talk about that. I, But, like, you look at Edmonton, and you have Cornelius – you have Corndog. Corndog. I like, and, I like Cornelius, though. I'll be honest. Like, he I thought that promise. he made he showed promise. He made steps, but the issue, I don't think Chris Jones likes the style of play he brings. I think it's pretty clear that he wants a more athletic kind of guy, and I think that's why we haven't heard Trevor Harris's name at all in that situation. That's why we didn't hear Matthew Schultz's name in that situation. Uh, like, I just I don't know what they do from here. I, like, I think it has no. to be our. Can we talk about how we just kind of talk shit about Fajardo and de- like straight out said that he doesn't think Fajardo's a good quarterback? Chris Jones? Yeah. I'm, are you surprised? I'm not. No, but like he just he does not care anymore. Like Chris Jones no. is does not he's gonna be on he's is he gonna be our version of Belichick? Dude, if he brings back Darius Bowman, if he brings back Manny Arsenal. And he finds a way to get Darrell Walker going again. Like, he might be more than Belichick. He just resurrected three careers. Can we also talk about the fact that, like, if he doesn't leave Edmonton after 2015, after they win the Grey Cup, they probably win in 2016 and 2017. Probably. Like, can we, like, how, how, and I think this is kind of where Jones, why I hated Jones, is that he had an ego the size of a fucking bouncy castle. You're gonna leave. You mean like the ones they have on? Uh, I won't say it. Um, I was gonna bring but, them on point, but I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I don't. That's not good. Um, but I'm curious on how much of this was also on Sutherland. Like, I'm curious on how him leaving fell on Sutherland. I don't know. That's a that's an interesting one. I've never really kind of put any thought into that. Well, there you go. Think about it. Um, considering what we've heard about Sutherland and and whatnot, like. Makes me wonder what happened behind the scenes there. Oh, something went down um, for sure. Like it's, it's a little bit ugly. I think. I think. I think things are way better now, just based on, you know, some of the guys they brought back. Um, the there's some interesting things going on there though because they've got a couple of, of receivers who I think could be good. They've got Darrell Walker. I think is probably the biggest name unless we're looking at like a 
uh, a Mike Jones, which I, I do think Mike Jones will have a good season. I, I've said that for a while, but like I'm not looking at Tavon Smith or Danny Vandervoot in a in a sense that they're going to be superstars or anything. Um, James Wilder is a massive get for them, of course. But, you know, like their offensive line right now, you lose Matt O'Donnell, Justin Renfro, Servi's not going to be back. Uh, Servi didn't never, play many games. Yeah, like he played, what, three games? Something like that. In two seasons with Edmonton. They got Tony Washington, but like... And they're the expected defensive... to get uh, Cordy out of Ottawa. Yeah, the the defensive line, though, to just like kind of give up on Matthew Betts and Kwaku Boateng, that's a little weird to me. I understand that he likes his American ends, but to just give up on two guys like that, is kind of surprising. I'm not surprised because, like, Betts, both of them had underwhelming seasons last year. So I kind of understand why they're like, eh, we'll, we'll move on. But I wonder where Betts lands. That, that's another thing. Montreal's one that I've heard tossed around a little bit. Well, I mean, that would make sense, right? He's he's a Laval product. You know, I, I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Yeah, that, like, that was one two that I thought I, I figured the Red Blacks would be in on a, on a defensive end. Uh, but now that you have Botang, I don't think you need bets, especially after you signed uh, Malday as well. I just, that one, I don't think will happen. Uh, but I think bets is still going to be a good player wherever he goes. Uh, I, I think Montreal is probably where I, I see just, maybe, maybe here's the thing. Maybe Noel Thorpe just wasn't a good DC and wasn't putting them in a situation to succeed. It's, is Noel Thorpe there again? No. Did they get rid of him? Think so. For sure, they fought. They they cleaned house. I keep forgetting that Botang is only twenty six. It feels like he's been in the league forever, right? Yeah, he's only been in the league since twenty seventeen. Yeah, so Thorpe is gone. Like Thorpe, though, he has created some division in the past. If you remember. We should be talking to Sherrod Baltimore on this week's full episode. But there was some stuff going on there where Rod didn't get to play some of the the same snap counts that he would have in the past. And there's a whole thing there. And, you know, I don't think Betts and Botang kind of got short shifted there or anything. But, I I mean, I I think it's just a matter of Chris Jones likes his American ends. But it's weird when you've got two guys like that can that can, that can be such ratio busters that you just kind of move on, even though they did have slow seasons last year. Everybody on Edmonton did. Yeah, no, that that's for sure. We'll move on. Uh, I do want to bring up one more thing before we get out of here, and it's just some players that are – I think a lot of people thought could potentially be starters in the league next season. But, you know, as we get closer to free agency and we've started to see some names come off the board already – there's a couple of guys. I think top of mind is Trevor Harris. Uh, Malik Irons is up there. Sean Thomas, Erlington, Brady Oliveira. They're kind of in a weird situation where, you know, they might starting be starting to lose the ability to have to find a, a starting spot for next season. And like, I'm, I'm starting to get interested in where that's going to happen. Like for Brady Oliveira, like, do we see a spot where he might end up starting next season? Like, I think Toronto's an option. Maybe BC's an option. Yeah, I mean, Oliveira, though, I don't ever really looked at him as a starter. Like, I think he's a great, like, one-two punch. And, like, he'll make any team that he goes on better. 
but I never looked at him as like an every down starter. Well, I think more so than anything, I think the guys that I listed are guys that will probably look at themselves like that. Not so much that the fans outside will see them like that, but for the player themselves, right? They're going to want starting jobs. And like, I don't know where they're going to get that. Particularly a guy, I think the biggest one right now is Trevor Harris. Where, like, is there a is there a job for Trevor Harris right now? No. I don't think there is. Because is he going to sign somewhere to be a backup mentor? I can't see that. I mean, if he wants to be, uh, if he wants to be, you know, a, like in the league, I think he has to. For sure. But for him to, so I think the one that people are going to mention right off the bat is BC. I, if I'm the Lions, I probably stay away from that. I probably would have liked to bring in Matthew Schultz, to be honest. I think that's the route that I would have liked to go. And you make Nathan Rourke compete for it in training camp, which I think I, I'm in agreement with you that I really like Nathan Rourke, and I think he should be the starter of that team, but I wouldn't have announced it just yet. I think there's a couple of other places that Trevor Harris could go. I don't know if Edmonton is on the board just because of the athletic thing. I don't think that he is going to work there. Maybe we see him in Winnipeg as a backup to Zach Claris. I think that might be the most logical spot for him if he wants to take less money. And other than that, man, like if it's not any of them, I think it's Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, he'll have to. He's not a starter. No, that ship has sailed. There's not a starting job open in the league right now. Like, even if there was, like, even if there was a starting job in the league, I don't think you can confidently sell Harris as a starter. Like, if you're a fan base and your team were to bring in a, like, bring in Trevor Harris after the season that he just had as your starter, you would not be confident in winning many games. Like, I, I, and if you are, I mean, I would love to talk to you because I feel like you're you're (laughs) lying to yourself. Um, to be You're fair, Trevor Harris's mother, probably, but uh, there's no way you can convince me that Trevor Harris is a starter in this league. Yeah. After, after what we saw from him last season. Yeah. I, I think you can throw Toronto into that conversation too. So I guess there are a fair few jobs out there. Maybe. Um, do you want to, do we, we want to pick one? Do you want to make a prediction live? Where, where do you see I, Trevor Harris going? If he's willing to go into camp as a backup, Toronto makes sense because you have a chance to at least compete for a starting job. Because you could. He like there there is arguments that like is you know McLeod. is starting Bethel Thompson better than uh Harris? And I I, I think so. As much as I'm not a, as much as uh, you absolutely hate McLeod Bethel Thompson and his glorious beard. Uh I have no issue with his beard. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. <laughs> so, but, okay, so if, if McLeod Bethel Thompson's beard played football, you'd you'd think he's a better quarterback. No. Okay. Um play my game, damn it. <laughs> um would you know like I just I look at that situation and uh, in Toronto, and I'm like, okay, if you're gonna go anywhere, that's probably your best bet if you're looking to start because yeah, you I, can I actually go into camp and 
try to win the starting job because you know there's most likely a starting to job to be like one but he's gonna have to go in there and win it it's not going to be handed to him he's not going to be given to him he's gonna go out there and have to win it i think the job that one i think that he will end up picking and the one that if i was him i would probably pick is i'd go to saskatchewan I would choose to back up Cody Fajardo. And, you know, I think that he's had his own issues over the past season or whatever. Uh, I don't think necessarily that he'll beat him for the starting job, but that is the situation that I'd want to put myself in, particularly if they find a way to build up their offensive line a little bit, because that Toronto team, let's face it, they just aren't as built up as they maybe once were right now, at least they, I think that Trevor Harris would be putting himself in a better situation if he went to Saskatchewan compared to Toronto. That's fair. I mean, I think, but here's the thing is, is Saskatchewan going to move on from Fajardo right away? Probably not. I don't think either organization will. Toronto just committed some good dollars to Bethel Thompson as well. Yeah. But I think Bethel Thompson is more movable in my opinion than Fajardo maybe but I I mean part of my 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 theory behind this too is that McLeod Bethel Thompson no matter how many times the Toronto Argonauts try to replace him just comes back every single time and I've said it before I compare new I I compare Bethel Thompson to the cockroach in the nuclear explosion right (laughs) you literally it doesn't matter how big the blast is you can't kill him he just will not go away and it seems that whenever the competition is turned up on him, he raises his game and and takes his job back. And I think we saw that exactly with Nick Arbuckle this season. When Arbuckle started playing well, Bethel Thompson came out, had some great games, and then as soon as Arbuckle was traded, he struggled. And they didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. So I don't think he's a guy that I'd want to compete with. And I wouldn't want to – like if Trevor Harris is running from a fight at this point, then he's never getting a job back. He shouldn't be doing that. But if I had to pick my place where I'm going to play football, just assume that I will get into a game at some point. I'm picking Saskatchewan over Toronto. Yeah, I'm not sold that like Saskatchewan's the way to go for him because he doesn't fit the system. Like realistically, I don't think there's a single place that's good for Trevor Harris to go right now if he's trying to become a starting quarterback in the CFL again. I don't know. I feel like Toronto fits the system pretty well because it's not like Bo. Like it's not like Bethel Thompson can run. And if he can't, like he can, obviously, so can, you know, uh, so can Harris. But, like, realistically, what kind of system would you rather be in? Would you rather be in one that focuses on – well, yes, obviously. I think if you're anyone – out of anyone, you'd probably want to be behind that offensive line. Yeah. Um, But realistically, if if you're Ottawa – if you're – I mean, even Winnipeg, you know – would he be willing to go to Winnipeg um, and take a job in Winnipeg as the backup and potentially go to another Grey Cup as a backup? Or well, Let's assume money's equal between Toronto, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. If I'm Trevor Harris at 35 years old, right, I think he already has one ring, I think. Or he has two rings, one with Toronto and one with Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, wasn't a starter for either of them. But – if I want another ring, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Winnipeg. And 
if, you know, I do get in a game, I'm in a spot where potentially, even at 35 years old, I could play well enough to convince somebody that in 2023, I'm good enough to be a starting quarterback. So I, I think there's a there's an argument to be made for all three of those teams. I think he's probably in Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. I'm still going to take Saskatchewan. But I think all three of those teams, like they're going to need a backup quarterback. And Saskatchewan and Winnipeg in particular, I think are in a worse spot than Toronto because I think Toronto still has Antonio Pipkin. I think so, yeah. I think he's still he's still under contract, I believe. Yeah. I, I think that I, I think he is. So I I will take if I'm Toronto and it comes down to Harris or Pipkin, I'm not necessarily gonna take Harris, especially if the money difference is anything substantial. I think if you're Harris, you have to take the league man. Unfortunately, like I don't really see how you can justify paying him more than than the league minimum. I think he'll be above league minimum. I think he'll be about average for a backup quarterback, which I think is about. But I don't. I don't know if like, he's. I don't know if he's worth that money though. I don't think you can justify paying a backup quarterback of what he like. What you've seen of Harris the last two seasons would be paying him more than what you can pay. You know, Matt O'Connor. Like I think that's the thing. Is that like yeah. realistically is Trevor Harris bet? Like if I'm Winnipeg. And I had a choice between Matt O'Connor and Trevor Harris. I'm taking Matt O'Connor every time. Yeah, I, I think know, that's fair. I like if I'm fair. if I'm Saskatchewan, if I have a choice between Trevor Harris and Matt O'Connor, I'm taking Matt O'Connor. So you have to also look at who else is available out there because I don't I don't think you can justify paying Trevor Harris more than maybe 75k. You know, there's no way he's better than you know any call like any U Sports quarterback right now. I, I, I'm not well, I don't, I don't know, but I wouldn't go that far to say that the top tier U sports quarterbacks, in my opinion, would probably be a safer bet than Trevor Harris as a backup. That I disagree with. Uh, for as as much as you know that I rag on Trevor Harris because of consistency things, I still think that Trevor Harris has a pretty good understanding of how the game is played. If I'm going into a game and like it's it's tough because Trevor Harris I think showed us last year that he still has the ability to go out there and win his team a football game. Had a game where he threw for like 500 yards, right? He still has the ability to play football. It's just the consistency thing. And when he's when he's off, he's really off. So, and I think it, that's the problem. It's tough. Though. It's it's, it's so that tough. like why pay for why pay a veteran who's been in the league for over a decade? You like you know he's going to be a problem. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's not worth, it's not worth it. And this is, this is the weird thing. The crazy thing, like two years ago, when this guy left Ottawa, he was the big free agent, right? Now we're looking at it and we're saying, well, I'd rather Matt O'Connor or I'd rather Matthew Schultz, or I would rather Caleb Evans, or I would rather as crazy as this may sound to some people, I would take David Watford, you know? Like I like Watford. I think I think Watford showed. Like I'm surprised that he isn't back, and uh, that he didn't go back to Hamilton. I think that's just a simply like that. That to me is just simply like they wanted a guy who was more fit to the scheme. And Watford, for as, as well as he played, they absolutely relied on the running game the entire time that he was starting. So, yeah, that's you fair. know, it's not it's not surprising to me that they moved on from him. But 
could that guy work in Saskatchewan? Possibly. I think he could. I, I think they've had him before. Have they not? I think so. So he could go there, you know, like Matt O'Connor could still go to a team like Winnipeg that like, I don't know. This is what I mean. When the pressure has been turned up, it's free agency hasn't even opened yet. And I think that there's a chance that Trevor Harris isn't even in the league next year, whether he wants to be or not. I, I hope not. Cause I don't think he's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Tell me, do you like Trevor Harris Shane by chance? Are you a fan? Would you buy his jersey? I, I have no idea. Like, no, I, I would not buy his jersey. I've been an anti-hair. And here's the thing. I got scolded. I don't know how many people got mad at me when I was like, I'd rather Davis than Harris. I rather a that didn't Davis. work. That didn't work. And I was uh, on the same boat as well. I was I mean I was very work. big yes. on, on Dominic Davis. But like there was also so much more that went on with like it, it like that 2018 team, who we had in 2018 with William Powell and Alex Sinopoli, like that if you were to like in my opinion, that 2018 team, I hundred percent rather have Davis than Harris. The, the problem the, is I also didn't like our coaching that year. Yes, we know. Uh, but personally, personally, there, there's there's never been a year when I've learned, like, when Harris came, like, I liked Harris when he came over. I was like, man, because I, I saw Calaris. I'm like, he he worked under Ray. He worked under the same system. This guy is going to be just as good as, like, as Calaris. Like, we're fine. And then I actually watched him play in Ottawa. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know consistency. The only thing he's consistent at is being inconsistent. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah i'm much rather like i much rather have had a healthy drew tate than harris as a starting quarterback what you didn't like ryan lindley no weren't a brock jensen fan i didn't mind it but he wasn't a quarterback danny collins maybe will aren't who's back i'm excited to talk to will aren't this year see i loved collins i thought he had like, i was like i watched him like this guy has all the mechanics you know he he was the backup the previous year. I thought he was going to win the second third job. Yeah, but he was a, he was the third stringer the, the previous year. I thought he was going to win the, the backup job. And then he gets cut for Will Arndt. Will Arndt, to be fair, Will Arndt completely outplayed him in that preseason. Like, oh, 100%. Night and day outplayed him. Yes, I was shocked. Like, Will Arndt legitimately looked like the next big thing in the CFL in that preseason. And... I mean, we said the same thing about Dane Evans, however, in that preseason. I watched him, and I'm like, that guy's going to be good at football. And then he was. But, like, and then also the same thing, like, Will Art also didn't look bad the games that he got in in, like, 2019. It was just, so, like, the he just – he struggled a little bit to make the right decision at times, I think. But that's also – like, it, it's pretty damn hard when you got Charleston Hughes ready to break your kneecaps, like, instantaneously every snap. Yeah, I I don't know. I I thought he did pretty good job for for what he was in. Do you remember early in this episode when we said we're moving on from the Red Blacks, and I said our conversation will eventually be back here. Yep. Ding. Correct. <laughs> but I don't know. I hate. I hate. I don't hate Harris. I think Harris is an individual, very good guy. Not not no slight against him. Um, but I just I don't like him as a quarterback i don't think he's good enough to be a cfl quarterback anymore yeah that's i mean it's it's fair like his football play was not up to to par last year he came into edmonton supposed to be the guy that led them to the great cup 
didn't happen. I mean, that team had its own issues. They were bad. But in Montreal, like that team, as soon as Vernon Adams went down and they replaced Schultz with with Harris, it just it didn't it didn't work. And like no. to, you, you, you said it constantly that you thought Schultz should continue to start or you, you I can't remember if you said he, he should continue to start or he would. But he would continue to start as long as he was healthy and he wasn't healthy. Yeah, I still think they would have pulled him regardless at some point. But I think he should have continued to start if he was healthy. Yeah, and unfortunately, he wasn't healthy, so we'll never actually know what would have happened. I'm still but, right in my brain, so. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's really the, the transactions that have happened so far. Nothing really big. Uh, obviously, they still. What do you mean nothing to- really big? Nothing really big in terms of like nothing's been confirmed. Like it's been confirmed, but it hasn't. It's not official. So it's Until confirmed 12, but unconfirmed, and it's officially unofficial. Yeah. Perfect. It's not official until the, tw- the the clock strikes 12 on Tuesday afternoon to open up free agency when all of these things become official. Okay. Got it. Mental notes <laughs> taken. So, yeah, I'm just going by league standard. Like league, it's not official by the league. The teams haven't posted it. It's not official until the team posts it. Yes. Uh, kind of. That's kind of how it works. Well, you can't, if we say, oh, this person's signing with this person, and that person ends up signing with another person, well. Then we're fake news. Don't use that term. We're, we're dealing with that with <laughs> enough of that in Ottawa. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, Hong Kong, baby. Yeah. Just kidding, I'm not. Um, but yeah, hope you all enjoyed this episode. It was a long one. It was definitely longer than I think we anticipated, but We'll be back live, most likely live. We'll see. Let me plug something. Oh, sweet Jesus. Thursday. Don't miss it. We're talking right now. The plan is Sherrod Baltimore will be joining us. We will be talking with him. Um, We're going to get his take on all of these fresh signings. We're talking to him before they're official, though, so um, we're going to have to convince him to comment on them, I think. But, (laughs) um, yeah, we're we're talking about that. We're going to talk about how – great the canadians men's canadian men's national team is um and how they're still in ottawa who sherrod yeah we're gonna find out tomorrow aren't we yeah okay i don't know if he went home or not like i don't know if he's here during the i don't know season, don't well know. he i know i think rose here is. before christmas i think rose is last like last time his tweet like he tweeted with his location on it said ottawa so he has been tweeting a lot of red black stuff bro he needs to come back you know who else has? Shaq, Shaq Johnson, Johnson, baby! <laughs> Literally, um, I think like two years ago, ahead of the 2019 free agency, I'm like, Ottawa should get him. And then he re-signed in NBC, and I'm like, damn. If he comes to Ottawa, I'm going to, yo, I don't think you guys understand how much of a fanboy I'm going to be. Like, when Ucombre, when they announced the Ucombre Williams signing Sunday afternoon, I lost my shit at work. You screamed in our group chat. Yeah, and I retweeted it with exclamation points because I'm like, yes, fucking right. Let's get it. Let's go. You're buying a Ucombre Williams jersey is what I'm hearing. Most likely, yes. Okay. I don't buy jerseys because I'm neutral. You have a Don Umba jersey. You got a I'm Nick also, Arbuckle. I'm you also currently a wearing a red black sweater. Arbuckle jersey, and he, hasn't even played, he never played a single <laughs> game for Ottawa. Okay, so – let's okay let's talk about that for are you two gonna, seconds here okay, right here's the thing 
if if Jonathan Rose comes back to Ottawa and he goes to number nine, are you going to strip off the Arbuckle and then no. replace it with lame? No. Dude, like honestly, I don't even. I that jersey has been worn once, I think, uh, and I maybe it wasn't even worn. I may have hung it up in the back of. If you remember back to our first, street, yeah, you hung it up. You hung it, was it up. Hung up behind me. With like your Tavares jersey and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, no, it was even before that. It was next to my R Nation flag that's signed by Brad Sinopoli, who signed it upside down. So <laughs> thank you, Brad, for signing that upside down. Uh, I'm, you know, I think he apologized to me on Twitter for it at one point, but whatever. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Matt Nichols like bought everybody in Toronto who bought his jersey, uh, New Jersey. And Nick Arbuckle didn't do that for anybody in Ottawa, so I was the only person affected by that. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I, dude, I'm I'm already up to my eyeballs in in garbage. I don't really want to do for free agency, and it, um, it's going to be fun, but also it's going to be chaos for us. Oh, I'm gonna literally, I'm I'm gonna be in front of my computer at like eight o'clock in the morning, getting everything ready. Um, I wish I had another screen, but I don't. <laughs> So I can throw you one. I know I have one. I just don't have the proper adapter. Mm. Cause I, don't, I have a Mac. Get it. And Go downtown and get it. No, screw off. <laughs> um, so I don't actually have a proper adapter to make it a dual screen. And I'm just my, I, I don't want to go through that hassle. Um, so yeah, tomorrow's going to be real fun. Um, my butt is going to hurt a lot. My after. butt hurts from an hour and a half. Yeah, my my yeah. So um, good thing I have a sit stand desk, so I'll be up and down, up and down all day. Um, that sucks for you. Um, I'll be peeing in bottles, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dude, that's awful. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, we'll do some live stuff. We'll we'll probably do some live stuff. Probably. Yeah, check our Twitter and our Facebook and. Um, YouTube, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do a lot of these outtakes. That'd be fun. Get some players involved on, uh, see if we can reach out to some players who've signed and if they're willing to join us for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Teams media departments will be very happy with us if we do that. <laughs> hey, they can help us out. They can help us out or we can go above them. I, I don't want to tell you. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, we'll do some live stuff. Why not? I just decided that right now. I thought we already decided that like three weeks ago that we were going to do a live I I thought so. What do we we have, group meetings or something? I don't know. (laughs) No, we have individual texts with each other. Ah, I ignore them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised. Fuck, I'll send you like four different things. And like four days later, I'll get a response. And it's like, dude, dude. four days? That's like, that's, that's on time for me, dude. I've responded to texts two weeks late before. Um, but yeah, let's get out of here so I can (laughs) edit this and then go to bed before two in the morning. Lame, but yeah, no, that's fair. I work in the morning too. I still have graphics to fix up. Um, almost done all the red blocks ones though. So, well, that's like a hundred percent of the signing so far, (laughs) basically. So, are we done? Are we, are we doing, are we actually doing our outro now? We're doing our outro now. We're going to do the outro now, I think. 
Okay, cool. I might just leave <laughs> that part in. I think is what I'm going to do. I think so. Or, or clip it and just be like, "This is our, this is our, you know, bloopers of the show." Um, we don't have bloopers. We could. Wait, happy accidents. That'd be still worth a video. Like that'd still be worth like, hey, this is our bloopers. Either way, back we've to been the way ending. too many minutes of this. Let, let's go back to our outro <laughs> that we've been trying to do for the last like five minutes. Um, Thank you all for listening. You can follow us at 13th Man Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, uh, Twitch, or 13th Man Esports on Twitch, uh, and all that fun stuff. We got uh, a race on Saturday. Fun times. We're going um, to Knock Hill, baby. Uh, you can follow myself at Shane underscore RY13 and Frankie at Frankie underscore Benvo. Uh, let us know what you think happens on free agency day. Give us your predictions. We love hearing from you guys. Um, we're, I think we're almost at three, uh, 800 or 750 followers, 850 followers on Twitter. 750, I think. 750, we're at 735. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully this week we can hit that 800 mark. Um, it'd be nice to finally hit that 800 mark. So we'll, uh, we'll catch you back here with a new episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast. If you will have an episode with Sherrod Baltimore uh, coming later this week and probably some more CFL stuff uh, later as well. Hope you all stay safe. Uh, We'll catch you back here next time.